Tonight we continue our, our study through the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to look at, uh, at this, this entire chapter uh, tonight and, uh, and move, move through it as quickly as, as the Lord would, would lead. And I pray that uh, this will be a blessing to each one of you and, and that it will strengthen us in our, in our commitment to Jesus. Tonight, uh, as, we talk about, as we talk about how the Spirit of God has been working in the church and and uh, we look here in the book of Acts and we see the acts of the Spirit of God in the life of the church, how He empowers the church to do what we are called to do. Uh, it, it encourages us and helps us to see how we can follow the pattern that we see in Scripture and we can do the, the work that God has, has called us to do in 2021. And uh, we, we read in Scripture and we see, we see that, uh, that uh, Jesus, Jesus gave gave two uh, important statements when he was in, uh, well, I mean, everything he said was important, but, uh, but two that, that I want to draw our attention to tonight, uh, two very important statements that Jesus made while he was serving and ministering here on earth. And the first was, it was an answer to a man who asked, what is the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus said, the great, the great commandment is, the greatest commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength. And he said, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And, and I found that as we love the Lord and we love uh, one another the way that Jesus wants us to, that that enables us to please him really in every area of our lives. In fact, Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that, the, that was said by the law and the prophets is supported and is really fulfilled by, by the keeping of those two commandments. And Jesus Christ, of course, fu uh, totally fulfilled the law and the prophets. But you and I can honor God uh, by loving God and loving one another. And then, and then as we love God and love one another, that will lead us to, uh, to obey what, uh, what has commonly been known as the Great Commission. The second of the, of the, the statements that I want to uh, speak about tonight, uh, Jesus, Jesus said to his disciples before he went back to heaven, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In, in Matthew, he, he put it this way, he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus, Jesus commanded us, he, or Jesus told us that the greatest commandment was to love God, and the second was to love one another. And as we live that out, we'll, we'll, find it, we'll find it fairly easy to fulfill the Great Commission because we're motivated by love to go and tell people about Jesus Christ, to go and preach the gospel, to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those in the world around us and, and share the, the, the grace of God, share our story of how Jesus has changed our lives and we'll take a stand for Jesus Christ because we know that without Him, they're going to go to hell. And if we love them the way that he does and the way he wants us to, we're going to want to do everything we can to, to see them uh, saved, to, to, uh, to make sure they know the good news of Jesus and to, to give them an opportunity, as many opportunities as possible, to trust Jesus as their Savior. 
and, and we see that, that that's what happened in the church. In Acts chapter one, chapters 1 and 2, Jesus told the, uh, told the, the disciples, he said, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until the, 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 uh, you receive the promise of the, uh, of the Father. And he said, uh, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And he said, ye shall be witnesses unto me, uh, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and so as they waited there in Jerusalem, there in the upper room, 120 believers together, waiting in the upper room, the Spirit of God came upon them and empowered them and, uh, and, and filled them. And the Bible says they went out uh, testifying of the wonderful works of God. And all the people in Jerusalem that had come from every nation on earth uh, to Jerusalem for the Passover and for Pentecost, uh, they, they were hearing the gospel. They were hearing in their own language the wonderful works of God. And, uh, and many of them, 3,000 or so, were saved that day. And what a blessing that was to, to see. And, uh, and as, we, uh, as we see that, uh, that these, uh, these disciples, these followers of Christ, the early church, and, and then the, the 3,000 added to them, they, they were serving God together. And, and it's encouraging to, to see how they, how they just lived their life. They did, they did what God told them to do. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, uh, it says, it says um, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We have so many people that are observing and watching and witnessing our lives and our testimony. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Jesus has a plan for our lives and he sets that out before us as he sees, as he sees fit, as he, as he desires to, uh, to reveal it to us in, in the right time in his way. And as, as this early church was doing that, we find, we find Peter and John doing what they were supposed to be doing living the life of a believer, living the life, reflecting Jesus Christ, and sharing him everywhere they go. And so we come to chapter 3 of the book of Acts, and the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. That's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, they were going to the temple. And it's encouraging to see these disciples continuing to serve together in unity after the Master had gone away. Peter, who, who had been uh, free-spirited and a bit, a bit uh, seemingly uh, a bit hasty in his spirit, uh, he, was, he was the one that was always really quick to speak, ha always, always wanted to, to have the right answer. Um, he was the one that, uh, that uh, when, when Jesus said, when Jesus told his disciples, all of you are going to betray me, Peter's like, no, not me, I'm not going to, Lord. I I'm going to stand with you, I'll, go, I'll, I'll fight for you, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, Peter, tonight, before the rooster crows in the morning, he said, tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter was the one that followed with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane, went with him when they went there to pray, and the, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, and Peter pulled a sword and cut off the, the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus rebuked him, Peter, put that sword away. He took the ear and put it back on the guy's head and healed him there. But Peter was also the one that when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? They said, some say that you're John the Baptist, come back to life. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He was, he was quick to give an answer. 
he got it right. There was another time he got it right when, when Jesus had preached kind of a hard message and, and uh, many people turned and walked away and did not follow with Jesus any longer. And, and Jesus turned to, to the twelve and he said, Will ye also go away? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. You know that Jesus Christ is, is the only one who has the words of life. There's, there's, uh, we find in Scripture there's no other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get to heaven and to, to have eternal life but through Jesus Christ. And, and, and he, he came not just to give us eternal life, but he came to give us abundant life. And he came to, to lead us in uh, to, to uh, have, have peace and joy and, and to know what true love is all about. And, and uh, all the fruit of the Spirit, is, as Galatians lays out for us, and, and it helps us to live in this, in this day and time with peace of mind and with joy in our hearts and, and, and with patience and gladness, being faithful to Jesus along the way. And, and so that was, that was Peter. John uh, was, was quite, was, uh, tradition tells us, church history tells us, John was quite a bit younger. And while he was uh, with, following with Jesus, one of the disciples there with Jesus on earth, uh, it was, he was probably even a teenager at that time. So maybe, maybe about, uh, about 19 or 20 years old by the time we come to this place in Scripture, uh, if that old. And, uh, and we see John is going with Peter to the temple at the hour of prayer. But Peter, uh, John was one that was, uh, he was a little hot-headed. He was a little overly zealous in his immaturity. John was one that with his brother, when, when some people opposed Jesus and the disciples, they, they said to Jesus, Lord, why don't you just call fire down from heaven and, and burn them up and destroy them? And Jesus is like, oh, goodness, what am I going to do with you, you sons of thunder? What am I going to do with you? Uh, another time, John was, was one that uh, he saw some people preaching. And they were preaching in Jesus' name, but they weren't with Jesus and his disciples. They weren't from that group. Uh, and so John said, Lord, we found these people over here preaching in your name. And, and, uh, and since they're not with us, we told them to stop. And Jesus said, don't, don't tell them to stop. Don't stop them from what they're doing. He said, if they're not against us, they're for us. And we understand that there are a lot of people who invoke the name of Jesus in what they do, but they're not preaching a Jesus of the Word of God. And so they are against Jesus. They are against us, so to speak. Uh, but, uh, but those who are preaching salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And, and it's in Christ alone, and there's no other way to heaven but through Him. They are for us, and we praise the Lord for that. So these, these two guys, uh, that was their background. And, and even as they served with Jesus, many times they were found debating about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they were all excited when Jesus, uh, when, when Jesus had risen from the dead and, Je and, the, and Jesus had said to them uh, that uh, he, he wanted them to go, uh, go and, and preach the gospel and things like that. And they said, Lord, is now the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time when you're going to take over and kick out the Romans and defeat them and set up your kingdom? And Jesus told me, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
And he gave them that great command. Now these, these are the guys who, who, were, who were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Both of them had, had uh, desired a position of significance in Jesus' kingdom. Both had been with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Both were with him in the garden when he was arrested. And both had forsaken him and fled. But after seeing the resurrected Christ, their lives were changed. These guys were never the same. They, uh, when, when they saw the Holy Spirit come upon them in Acts chapter 2, they were bold in their witness and they were used of God to see many saved. Peter stood there on the day of Pentecost to proclaim the truth and, and to call men to repentance. And that day, about 3,000 people trusted Jesus and were baptized. God was showing Israel and the world that this was His doing. Now when we see Peter and John going about their lives and, and, and doing what they had been commanded to do, living faithfully for God and walking, with, uh, walking in discipline and in close fellowship with Jesus Christ. Now after that great experience on the day of Pentecost, if that was something that happened nowadays, that many people would be, would be inclined to go on a book tour or to meet with an agent about some movie deal, but that's not what these guys were doing. They weren't holding a Resist Rome rally. You know, uh, they, they, were, they were going to the temple at the time when many others were going there, uh, the hour of prayer, uh, to, to meet with people who believed in Jesus. They were going to bring their petitions before God. These men finally realized that their calling was not because they were so special. There were a lot of fishermen that could have been called. They came to realize that their purpose was not so that they could sit at the right hand of Jesus in his kingdom. They, uh, after, after the resurrection of Christ, and especially after Pentecost, they realized that everything they are, everything they do, it's because of Jesus, it's for Jesus, it's through Jesus, and it is to point people to Jesus. So they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, uh, whom, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here's a guy who's, who's been unable to walk since birth. He, he's got some friends who, will, who are bringing him daily. Each and every day they bring him and they lay him down there by the, by the, the, the pathway that, that leads into the, into the temple, by the gate Beautiful, uh, so he can, he can beg. And, and he, knows that, uh, he knows that if he doesn't get enough money, he goes hungry. He's dependent upon, uh, upon the, the compassion of other people. He cannot work, and he, he barely has the, the strength to beg. And, and so he sits there every day asking people to have compassion on him. He spends his life asking others for help. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you, where you had to ask somebody for help. And, and it's, it's good, to, it's good to, be, uh, to be able to have people that you can call on in your time of need. Uh, but there's just something a little bit embarrassing about asking for help. And, but this guy, this guy maybe, maybe he didn't even, even have the, the boldness to raise his head and look up. He's, he's just sitting there begging. And, and he's right outside the, the, one of the most used gates of the temple. The gate called beautiful, and he's, he's asking everyone that goes inside to give him some money. Maybe the idea is, since this is one of the most trafficked pathways and, 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 uh, and most used gates, that, that uh, he'll have more of an opportunity to, to get more money. 
that maybe as people are going into the temple that they'll feel a little more charitable in hopes that God will, will look on them with favor. That's a misunderstanding of what God is all about and truly the heart that he wants us to have. We're not trying to earn his favor. In fact, we cannot earn his favor. Uh, it's only through Jesus Christ that we, that we are uh, made acceptable to God. But this man didn't quite understand that, no doubt. He's sitting there begging and, and, uh, and he looks up and here comes a couple of guys. Well, let's see what they might have. wonder what they might be able to, to help me out with. And, he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple and he asks an alms and Peter fastened his eyes on him and uh, the Bible says with John and, and said, look on us. And Peter's words, look on us, uh, was, was because he wanted, to, he wanted to get the guy's attention. This, this word, Peter fastening his eyes on him, he gave this man his undivided attention and he called him to, to give him his undivided attention. Look on us. Look here, I, I want to say something to you. Peter didn't say, look on the temple. He didn't say, look to religion. He didn't say, look within yourself, believe in yourself. No, he, he called him and said, look on us. And this man gave heed, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold, have I none? I can certainly relate to that, can't you? Amen. Uh, Peter didn't tell him, hey, hey buddy, you, you, better, you better make sure that you, that you beg right. You know, maybe, maybe work on those puppy dog eyes a little bit, you know, and give a real sad face and, because you better get all the money you can. Maybe if you get enough money, you can pay a, a physician to, to make you better. He didn't say that. And, and he also didn't say, Here, here's a book. It's seven secrets that I've discovered to help me walk. It wasn't that way. He said, he said, look, buddy, I, I don't have any money. But money will only meet a temporary need. But I'll give you something that's way better than that. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. It wasn't because Peter had the power. It wasn't because Peter was, was holy and righteous. It wasn't because, because Peter and John were really special men. It was because of, of the name of Jesus. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And God did a work that can only be explained by saying God did it. And this man stood up. His feet and ankle bones received strength. And he stood up. Hey, there is power in the name of Jesus the name of Jesus is a powerful name in, in fact there's power in this name in the name of Jesus there's power to transform lives it, it certainly transformed this man no longer was he held bound held by what had bound him no longer was he, was he a prisoner to, his, to his physical, that physical condition. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he was free. I want to ask you, what holds you? What keeps you bound? 
Is it, is it uh, past experiences? Is it, uh, is it guilt? Is it failure? Is, is it uh, some sin? Is it some habit? Is it fear? Is it the opinion of others? Is it insecurity? What has you bound? What's holding on to you and keeping you bound up? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you can be free. You can be set free from that, and you can, you can live a life of freedom. You can walk in freedom in the name of Jesus. This man stood up and received his strength and as, as, he, as he trusted in faith uh, in, in the name of Jesus. He stood up, and the Bible goes on and says, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. The Bible tells us that, that if the Son has made you free, you're free indeed. Those things have no hold on us. For sin shall not have dominion over you. The Bible says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? You don't, have to, you don't have to be bound by your circumstances. You don't have to be bound by your situations. You can be free in Jesus Christ. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. The people saw him set free from that that had bound him. And the Bible says they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus will set us free. And uh, the, the psalmist said, he, he pulled me out of a horrible pit and set my feet on a solid rock and established my goings and put a new song in my mouth, even praise to my God. Many shall see it in fear. I wonder when people see our lives, do they see people who are free? Do they see uh, men and women who have been set free by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Or do they see us still struggling along, uh, with, uh, dragging those chains behind us, living in that bondage? Or, or uh, do they see the power that Jesus has to set us free? Perhaps if we, if we lived free but in the freedom that Jesus gives us, in that victory that we have in Jesus, as we sang earlier, if, if we uh, live in that freedom, maybe they will see that we're free and they see that there is hope for them that they too can be set free. In Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there is nothing that should hold us back, that can, that can have power over us, except we yield to it and give it power over us. As the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that's called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, uh, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? And, and why look ye so earnestly on us as though, as though by our power or holiness we had made this man to walk? He said, Don't be looking at me like I'm somebody special. Don't be coming and trying to, trying to get me to heal you because I don't have that kind of power. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't tr trying to fill a coliseum so he could, uh, he could put on a show and, and blow on people and, and, and call himself healing them. 
No, he, was, he gave God the glory. He recognized that, that this man was healed by Jesus Christ, and he went on to, to proclaim that to the people. He said, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, fathers hath glorified his son, Jesus, uh, his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of ye all. Uh, he, Peter's, saying, Peter's saying, hey, look, this, this power that healed this man is not a power that I have. The power that healed this man is, in, is, the, is the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the Savior of the world. He is the one who gave this man strength. He's the one who healed this man because when we spoke the word, this man put his faith in Jesus and through faith in the name of Jesus this man got his strength and, and was healed and that man's life was transformed no longer did he have to did he have to be carried in his bed to, uh, to be laid there by the by the gate and beg for alms no longer did he have to depend on other people no longer did did he have to uh, wonder where his next meal was going to come from because he could go and get a job he could work a day's uh, 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 he could work a, a a solid day of labor and and he could earn his way he could he could provide for a family his life was changed he could walk Jesus had made him free. How does Jesus have this power uh, to, to transform a life? How can, how can Jesus truly transform this life? Because Jesus deals with the, the real root problems. He has power to deal with the real root problems of our lives. Jesus has all power in heaven and in earth. And Jesus... Jesus can heal not only physically, but he can heal the, the biggest problems that we have, and that is spiritually. And, and I, we remember as we, as we read through the scriptures that time when Jesus was preaching and, and, and he was there in a, in a house and so many people came and filled the house that, that there was no room, uh, no room left. But there were some friends who had a who had a friend who was the Bible says sick of the palsy and 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 he was he was uh, unable to to get up and walk himself and so and so his his four friends picked up a corner of his bed, each of them took a corner and they carried that man in his bed to go to Jesus and when they saw the house was filled and they couldn't get in they went up on the roof and began to tear a hole in the roof. And they opened the, the, opened the hole in the roof big enough and they began to lower their friend down in his bed. And, and, uh, and as he's lowering down, people begin to, to see this that's going on and they're backing out of the way. And, and they lowered their friend right there in front of Jesus. And Jesus saw their faith and he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And some of the religious leaders, they're like, oh. Who, who does this man think that he is saying that he's, he can forgive sins? I mean, who, what power does he think? What authority does he think that he has to forgive sins? And, and Jesus said, why do you think it's such a hard thing for the Son of Man to forgive sins? But so you'll know that I have power on earth to forgive sins. He said, let me ask you this. Which is harder, to say your sins be forgiven thee 
or take up your bed and walk. Certainly more difficult to forgive sins. Only God can do that. And the creator, the great physician, the the maker of heaven and earth, the one who formed and fashioned the body, he looked at that, that man and he said, so you'll know that I have power on earth to forgive sins. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And that man got up and he took up his bed and went, went to his home rejoicing that he was healed. See, Jesus has power to transform our lives, not just, not just meeting those physical needs, but he has the power to, to take care of, of a, a deeper need. Our, our real problem, the main problem that we have, he has power to forgive sins. He has power to, to, to cleanse us from sin. And uh, Peter goes on and he says, And now, brethren, I want that you did it through, that through ignorance you did it as, as did also your rulers. But those things which God hath before uh, showed by the mouth of all these prophets that Christ should, sh- should suffer, uh, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. He said, look, uh, you, you did this ignorantly. You you uh, rejected Jesus and you uh, desired a murderer to be granted unto you and, and you, uh, you crucified the prince of life. He, he, said, he said, but you did it ignorantly just like our fathers did, just like the rulers did. Uh, he said, you, you did it ignorantly. He said, but now you know what you've done. You've come to a full realization of what you've done. You realize that Jesus Christ is the one who has power to forgive sins. You realize that Jesus Christ, the one who you crucified, is the the Messiah. And he said, now I'm calling you to repent and be converted. Confess your sins to God and and God will forgive you, uh, he said. And, and And so he's calling them to repentance. And and it's wonderful to know that we serve a God who is able to forgive sins. I'm glad to know that that that, uh, people can come to God and confess their sins and have their sins removed. I'm grateful that it's it's not works that we do to earn our way to Jesus Christ because there's nothing good that we could do to be good enough to earn His favor. The Bible says the best things that we can do in life are as filthy rags. Our righteousnesses, that's, the, that's, that's as right as we possibly can live. In the sight of a holy God, the righteousnesses of, of fallen man is filthy rags. That's not going to measure up to holiness. So Jesus Christ gives us his righteousness when we come to him in faith. When we turn to him, when we repent, he he gives us his righteousness and our sin is blotted out. He forgives our sin. I'm grateful that he has power to forgive sin. And and I'm I'm glad that he he has power to transform lives. But but it, it gets even better than that. It's not just transforming the life and forgiving sin so we can go through this life with peace of mind and not having guilt. But he has power to save and to give us life everlasting. He said, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, 
which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all, the, in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, uh, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You're the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ has power on earth, to, uh, it, it, that there's power in the name of Jesus to transform the life. There's power in the name of Jesus to forgive sin. But I'm glad there's power in the name of Jesus to save our souls, to give us a relationship with God so that we can be the children of God. And, and he, has, uh, he raised up Jesus Christ so he could bless us and turn us away from our iniquities and give us life everlasting. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ, and in the name of Jesus, there is power to save. Next week, as we, as we go into chapter 4, we're going to see Peter say, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other way but through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ has power to save. That when we call on that name, that name that's above every name, that he gives us eternal life. Have you ever done that? Have you received the gift of eternal life? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that if you died today that you'd go to heaven? The Bible says these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. See, God doesn't just want you to be saved, but He wants you to know it. He wants you to have that peace that passes understanding so that you can, you can go with boldness and be a witness for Jesus Christ. He wants you to live a life freed from those sins that held you bound. Jesus didn't save us so we could continue sinning. He saved us to set us free from sin. He has power to, to forgive us and to set us free from sin. Uh, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph when, when Mary was expecting Jesus uh, and, and Joseph saw that she was expecting, and he was, he was concerned that maybe she had been unfaithful. And one night an angel appeared to, uh, to uh, Joseph in a dream and said, and said, Joseph, fear not to take unto thee Mary to be thy wife. She said, because that child that's conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. This is the Son of God. He said, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. See, the name Jesus means deliverer. The name Jesus means Savior. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Deliverer. He is the one who came to give us eternal life, to restore us in, in, in our relationship with God and to bring us into the family of God. He's the one that came to do that, and He's the only one that can do that. It's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. 
for me as a 13-year-old boy, I realized that I was, I was a sinner and, and it wasn't that my dad was a pastor or, or an assistant pastor or music director. It wasn't my dad's service in church that, that brought me into favor with God. It wasn't that my mom had been a, a Sunday school teacher and, a, and leading different ministries in the church and, and serving as a church secretary for a while and doing this and that. It wasn't, it wasn't her service in the church that made me a child of God. It wasn't the fact that I had been raised in church and taught the Bible stories and I could, I could quote Bible verses. It wasn't uh, that, that I could tell you the books of the Bible and, and, and many things I, that I could answer a lot of Bible trivia questions and things like that. It, 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 those things didn't bring me into favor with God. As a 13-year-old boy, I realized that none of those things were, were acceptable. None of those things made me acceptable. If I was to stand before God and say, and he was to ask me, why should I let you into heaven? And I said, well, I can quote some Bible verses to you. Ask me a question from the Bible. Let me see if I can answer it. The question he would probably ask is, what is the only way you can get to heaven? And I wouldn't. I would be able to answer it with my words, but I wouldn't be able to go to heaven because I was, not a, I was not saved. I had not put my faith in Jesus Christ. So as a 13-year-old boy, I realized that, and I bowed my head, and I trusted in Jesus, and I called on the name of the Lord, and He gave me, he gave me eternal life. The Bible, says that, the Bible says, as many as received Him to them, they gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. He said, uh, he said the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift can only be received or rejected. And, and this, man, this man that uh, Peter and John were speaking to, when, when they came up to him and, and Peter said, look on us, and, and he did. And, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And when he put out his hand to, to take the man by the hand and lift him up, the man could have said, get out of here. Stop that. Get your hand out of my face. What are you trying to do? Mock me? I don't want that. And he would have spent the rest of his life laying there begging. There's, there are many people who, who hear the message of Jesus Christ and, and they, they hear the gospel uh, preached and they hear that the, the gift of eternal life is extended to them and they say, get that out of my face. I don't, I, that's not what I want. And they go through the rest of their life in guilt and in shame and, and carrying that burden of sin. And they go for eternity to a place called hell. God doesn't want that for anybody. The Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, but He has power to save. He has power to give eternal life to as many as who will come to Him in faith and repentance. And He calls us all to do that. He says... That God now commands all men everywhere to repent. He says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If there's any here tonight that's never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you've been holding on to good works or good habits or, or that you're a, a good person or that you go to church and this and that, hey, those things are not enough. You need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then a few verses later it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you've done that, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you've you've received that gift of eternal life. You are a child of God. But if you've not done that, I want to challenge you and encourage you to do that tonight. Call on Jesus Christ and be saved. If you have uh, trusted Jesus as your Savior, but maybe you've yielded yourself to be a servant of sin, maybe you've yielded yourself to, to bondage, to some situation of life, maybe some fear, maybe emotions, uh, maybe some, some stress or whatever it may be, and, and you're plagued by these memories, you're plagued by these thoughts of, of in, insufficiency or whatever it may be, and, and Satan is, is keeping you captive by those things. And, and you see tonight, Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, you you can be set free Jesus wants to set you free and he will if you'll believe in him you might already be a child of God but you need to trust him to for, for this freedom he's provided it he wants you to walk in it he wants you to live in it so maybe tonight you need to confess to God that you've that you have yielded yourself to be a servant to whatever that situation, name it to, to God. Call it out to Him. Confess it to Him. And let Him set you free. Let Him transform your life. Let Him do a work in you that can only be explained by saying God did it. See, the, the reason that the church was empowered and able to do, what, to do what the church has done and the reason why the church has existed all through these centuries and, and able to, to continue to do the work of God today is because of the power of the name of Jesus, the power to transform lives, the power to forgive sins, and the power to save. I'm grateful to know to, today that I am saved, that I am free. And Jesus wants you to be free as well. Let's live in that freedom. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for what you have told us and, and the promises that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for, for giving us forgiveness of sins. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for transforming our lives. I pray that tonight we will we will yield ourselves to you and that we'll determine that, that from this day on that we're not going to yield ourselves as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but we're going to yield ourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead. That in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we will live free, forgiven, transformed children of God. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done and for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name.